Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where all of our new content gets posted from, whether it be these podcasts, the It's Gone podcast with our great friend Britton Allen, any news and notes and articles, all of it goes up on the Ethos Fantasy BB page. You can get it right at the source as well, at sportsethos.com. If you're not somebody who is active on Twitter, totally understandable. Go right to sportsethos.com, to the homepage, hover over the MLB tab, and you will get all that same content over there. We're also still adding people up into our Discord. If you're interested, you can shoot me a message. We also post links uh, on the different various Sports Ethos accounts, the baseball, the basketball accounts. Dan Bespris uh, also posts out those links fairly regularly, so they are out in the Twitter sphere. But if you want to get added into our Discord, you can send me a message at the Joe Orico 99 account, and I'll get you guys a link in there. We have a free side. We also have a premium side if you are a subscriber. If you're somebody who's already subscribing, then you gotta you got to reach out, and we'll get you into the premium side of the Discord because we got our pros answering questions in there for all sports, a lot of fun stuff going on with wagering, DFS, tons of cool content uh, at Sports Ethos in general, but specifically the Discord, growing community there. Pushing 2,000 members, I want to say 1750 or so in the Discord between the free and the premium side. So a lot of fun there, a lot of people in there talking sports, talking baseball. You guys should definitely join up if you haven't already. Now we are going to talk about a couple of news headlines from today. Jeffrey Springs left with an injury. We got a Bryce Harper update. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about my notes from last night. And we are going to talk about a streamer for tomorrow. And it's only one streamer that I'm going to highlight for tomorrow because it is not a good day. We'll go through, we'll talk about the different matchups briefly at the end of the show. But there's only one guy that I would be pretty comfortable using as a stream. We're talking players who are generally about 50% rostered or less. I think this guy is 51 or so on Yahoo. Uh, he's the only one that we're going to be really interested in. We'll talk about him at the end. Well, let's start off with something that's kind of been pissing me off a little bit over the last couple of days here. And a lot of people feel kind of differently than I do on the subject, so I might be in the minority here. But it's to do with the beer at the ballpark and when they are selling it when they are not. I know this isn't fantasy, but this is what I'm going to talk about here just for a couple minutes to start off. I don't know why everybody's making such a big deal about when they stop selling beer at the ballpark. If it's in the seventh inning, if it's in the eighth inning, if it's in the fourth inning... 
I don't know why people make such a big deal out of it. My thought process is if people want to go out there and get absolutely smashed and drive home drunk, then they're going to do it. You're not going to stop that because you're stopping beer sales for two innings, especially with the way that innings are shorter now. You're talking about two innings could potentially be 20 minutes, half an hour. Are, are we really sobering up after you know two, three hours of drinking after a half an hour? Anybody who's ever gone out drinking before <clears throat> can tell you the answer to that. It doesn't really make sense to me. I, I don't understand why ever I, I see pushback all over the place on this on this take. If people want to get drunk, they're going to get drunk, right? Those two innings are not going to matter. There are tons of people that take public transport to baseball games. Whenever I go to a Blue Jays game downtown Toronto, I'm never dr- I don't think I've maybe once or twice in my life ever driven to a Blue Jay game. And I've been to I want to ballpark it at about 100 Blue Jay games in my life probably. Maybe once or twice we've driven down there. Most ballparks are in downtown cores. I'm talking specifically from my experience in Toronto. They're not driving. Very few people are driving down to the ballpark. Why are we punishing people who are taking, you know, taking the subway, taking Toronto Transit or whatever transit in your city, going down to the park with some friends or family? Why can't they drink till the end of the game? I've always thought it was kind of stupid, but now that the people are getting pushed back and they're saying, oh, it's a public safety issue, how about people just have a little responsibility and don't get completely hammered if they're going to drive home? You know, if that's in the seventh inning or the eighth inning or the sixth inning, it's all about the individual controlling how much they consume at the end of the day. The ballpark cannot actually put a cap on this you, know, you can get you can get 12 beers in the first five innings and be absolutely floored and then okay sure you don't drink after the seventh inning you're still going to be drunk driving home for god's sakes you know someone might have two beers spread out throughout the game want to have one in the fourth one in the eighth inning who knows different people operate differently with their drinking why should those people be punished i i don't understand the 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 anger that I've seen from a lot of people, there was a pitcher for the Phillies, I think it was Strom, who was talking about public safety and, you know, billionaires are going to recoup their money, which is true. The billionaire part, the public safety part, I think is bullshit. I think that people need to be accountable for themselves. Like, imagine if a restaurant or a bar stopped serving alcohol two hours before last call so you could drive home sober. It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? It's exactly the same thing that we're seeing here with baseball. I'm not a big drinker either. I'll go to the ball game. I'll have maybe two beers. Maybe if I'm really letting myself go, I'll have three beers. This is not, and I never drive, so this doesn't even apply to me. I just don't know why this has been such a point of contention for so many people that, you know, if you're serving alcohol in the eighth inning, you know, you're putting the public at risk. How about the individual just has a little responsibility and self-control? Anyway, that is my rant on that subject. Let me know what you guys think. I know I'm probably in the minority there because of what I've seen on Twitter. Everybody's talking about how the evil billionaire owners are, you know, extending beer sales and inning. I really don't think it's that serious personally. Maybe in you know, maybe in the U.S. because I'm not as informed about you know the U.S. geography. Maybe a lot of those parks you have to drive to them and people drive home a lot more often. I don't know. I still think you can be responsible. Cap yourself at a couple of beers if you're going to drive. Like I don't know why this has been such a huge thing. I see I, all on my entire timeline on Twitter is just filled up with people bitching and moaning about how they're going to sell beer another another inning. It really is inconsequential at the end of the day. I really, truly believe that. If I'm crazy, let me know. Let me know what you guys think. As always, DMs are always open. You can tweet at me. Happy to have conversations about anything regarding baseball. But this is something I don't really feel strongly about, but I'm happy to entertain conversations on it if you guys are interested. Now, let's get into the news and notes, the meat of the fantasy baseball, because I know that that's not a fantasy thing. I just wanted to get it off my chest. Let's start with Bryce Harper. Apparently, Bryce is learning how to play a new position. He is learning first base. At age 30 years old, he is going to learn how to play first base. He's been an outfielder his entire career. He's been mostly a DH last year, a couple of years. 
uh, you know, injury concerns and whatnot. He hasn't even been in the field that much. Uh, he's actually not even eligible uh, in a position in the NFBC. He is only out, or excuse me, he's only utility eligible until he comes back and plays 10 games at whatever position. It might be first base uh, as opposed to the outfield, which we were expecting. Now, they've got injuries to Reese Hoskins and Derek Hall. They're both going to be out for quite a while. So it makes sense. You know, uh, the first base transition from the outfield, I, I don't know how that's going to go for Harper. My curiosity is. Will this expedite the timeline at all because they want to have a first baseman back? I don't know that it'll be like, you know, he's coming back a month early, but maybe a week or two early because, you know, they're desperate for a first baseman. Harper's, if he's feeling okay, you know, maybe maybe it doesn't affect the timeline. The report I'm reading says it, it likely won't. But if he's getting on the field and playing defense sooner than he would you know, have normally done so. Like if there had been in the normal course of the Philly season and let's say Hoskins and Hall did not get injured, Harper comes back as a DH, he doesn't get that eligibility. You'll, you'll get that first base eligibility now from him if they actually, if this plan comes to fruition. We'll see if this ends up coming, uh, if they actually end up doing this and if he ends up playing enough there that he will gain eligibility. But I think it is interesting. Even if it doesn't necessarily move the timeline up, I think it has the potential to even just by a week or two. Like let's say he's feeling pretty okay <laughs> They're just floundering at first base. They're throwing out the Alec Bohm is playing first base sometimes, but I think they'd, I think they'd rather have him at third. Realistically, uh, I, I don't know what's going to play out in terms of who's going to get the majority of the reps at first base until Harper comes back. But let's say they're just taking zeros at the position pretty regularly. They might push Harper up a week or two before, uh, assuming all is okay uh, and he's doing all right in his recovery. I don't think they're going to put him at risk just to bring him back a week or two early, but I think it's a possibility uh, if they are floundering, they have a couple injuries so far, and maybe they'll just say, okay, you know what, Bryce? Uh, you're you're 98% good to go here. Let's, let's send you out. I don't know if they're going to do that, but I think it's a possibility. And at the worst case, uh, you'll probably get a positional eligibility before you were expecting to. Now, it might be a different position. It likely is a different position than you were expecting. You might have drafted Bryce Harper and stashed him, gone a little bit light on your outfielders, hoping that he would get that eligibility. That might kind of suck, but at the same time, he's going to be back in the lineup. I, I don't know when it'll be exactly, but I want to say like early June maybe. That's generally what we've been hearing. Some I've heard some reports that say end of May. That's like a month away. Uh, which would make Bryce Harper a massive, massive steal in drafts if he's able to come back at the end of May and only miss you know, less than two months of time. We'll see. We have to see, but I think this is a positive. This is there's nothing negative in this report. This is he's progressing well. If he's learning a new position, if if he was really not doing well, I doubt that they would say, okay, Bryce, let's let's figure out a new position for you here. First base, we've all seen Moneyball. First base is a tough position. They're all tough positions, but to learn that at age 30 coming off an injury, I don't think they would do that unless he was doing well in his recovery. If he was floundering, if he was, you know, having setbacks and whatnot, I think they would just have him focus on getting right as opposed to learning a new spot on the field. So it's all good, positive news for Bryce Harper. I'm kind of curious. I'm going to check Yahoo and see if his roster percentage is where it should be. It probably is. Uh, 93. Wow. 93. Uh, I think, you know, again, I, I made this argument for a couple players yesterday in terms of guys who are in the upper 90s for roster percentages. You're not going to find them on the majority of waiver wires, but 93% is not 100. You know, we talked about this with Rodon and Tyler Glass now yesterday. 93 is not 100. We're early enough in the season where no league should be inactive. You know, we'll, we'll hear those arguments come, you know, fairly soon, probably. People will start to check out middle of May, uh, you know, beginning of June. Maybe by that point, people will be checked out, and it is a possibility. But at this point, 
a player like Bryce Harper should not be anywhere less than 99% rostered in Yahoo leagues. There is IL in the vast majority of them. Even if you don't have IL, I think he is worthy of a stash on your bench. We Bryce Harper is an MVP, a multi, multi two-time MVP. His his production per game is going to be better than whatever you know guy that you're speculating on, hopefully sitting on your bench, whoever it is. It's hard to come up with an exact example. There's different league sizes. Some players might be on one bench. One might, The same player in the 10, 12, and 15 team league might go from a bench player to a starter to not even being rostered. It's it's There's so many different formats. But regardless of your format, regardless of your roster size or IL situation, Bryce Harper should be on 100% of rosters or 99, whatever Yahoo's going to say. Again, I know this is going to sound stupid, apply to a, a small majority of you guys, but it shouldn't be where it is. It should definitely be right up there at 99%. Go and check, especially if you're in like eight or nine different Yahoo leagues. You might just lose track of the waiver wire, especially if some of them are shallow. Uh, just go and put Bryce Harper's name in the search bar and just take a look. You might get lucky. Most of you probably won't, but like I said yesterday, if even one person hears this and goes and checks and Bryce Harper's available and adds them, then we'll consider that a victory here. Now we got some tough news. We started with the good news. Now we'll go to the ugly. Jeffrey Springs left his start today with an arm issue. Now, when I prepared the show sheet, which was about half an hour ago, uh, this issue was unknown. And now they've called it, um, what exactly are they calling it? Ulnar neuritis. Now this is, again, far from a doctor, just relaying what I'm reading online here, inflammation of the ulnar nerve in the arm that results in numbness or weakness in the hand. The ulnar nerve is more commonly referred to as the funny bone, gives feeling to the little finger and half of the ring finger. This is not good. This is very not good for Jeffrey Springs. At this point, it looks like he's going to be missing some time. Whether that is a 15-day IL stint, something longer, more ominous, I really don't know. It's way too soon to tell. Like This happens... Um, an hour ago, uh, we still don't have a proper report on... Well, by the time you guys are hearing this, you might know more. But ulnar neuritis is what he has been diagnosed with. He'll be reevaluated Friday, uh, but it's almost a guarantee he's going to go on the IL. It's just a matter of how long he will be on the IL. It sucks because he has been incredible so far. Even today, three innings, five strikeouts, one earned run. He was doing very well. So far this season, he'd been, he'd been lights out. It was his first run he'd allowed all year. He's probably going on the IL, and there are, depending on your league sizes, many, many viable replacements. Obviously, nobody on the wire who is going to give you what Jeffrey Springs has been giving you. The first name that does come to mind, though, is Taj Bradley, and we talked about him yesterday a little bit. I was a little bit a little bit cautious about adding him and using him for his first career start against the Red Sox. He did pretty damn well. Now, he was sent back down today, but I don't know if how long that will necessarily last. Now, the way that the rules work, uh, you have to wait 10 days after being sent down before getting called up again. But I think we'll probably see him up relatively soon. I think, depending on how serious it is for Springs, probably the minimum uh, timeline there, probably come back up in 10 days exactly. Through five innings yesterday, five hits, three earned runs. He struck out eight and walked one batter. Now, that is a 540 ERA if you're just looking at the one start. If you're looking at that, it's not the greatest, but eight strikeouts over five innings. Only five hits, three earned runs. That is a solid, solid start for Taj Bradley. I am, I don't know if he's the guy I would directly go and add, but I think you can make the argument for him, uh, even not like immediately, but I think that, you know, give it a week, he'll probably be the guy who comes back up and he's probably worthy of a spot. Now, I was a little bit cautious yesterday. Before you 
ever see somebody at the major league level, you, you, you you're, should be a little bit cautious. I mean, for any player, even if they're the number one prospect, you should be a little bit cautious when somebody gets called up. Bradley, very, very highly touted prospect, usually considered a top 10 pitching prospect in baseball. He did well. Um, I'm, I'm not adding him like today. I think we got to wait and see exactly what the Rays are going to do. Because we know the Rays are a bit of an odd franchise with the way that they handle things. Maybe Bradley isn't the one that comes up. Maybe they claim somebody on waivers. Maybe I have, I have no idea. But between Eflin being out and Springs being out, I think Eflin will probably be back soon. Uh, I think Bradley will have a role. I would probably wait a few days before adding him, and then I'm not even sure where it would line up in terms of matchups. How I'm not even sure how this is all going to work yet. This is all still developing as we're talking about it now. He's probably worthy of a spot. I just would hold off a little bit because I don't know... I don't know necessarily what the Rays are going to do. That's why I'm kind of cautious because the Rays, you know, I wouldn't have thought they would have sent him down today. And that would probably be an indicator that Zach Eflin was feeling, you know, pretty good to go, was going to come back when he was eligible. And then the Springs thing, just unfortunate timing for Tampa, the way that they did their roster moves. But I'm on the watch list for now, I would say. Deeper leagues, he'll be added. In a 12-team league, I think that the best course of action probably is to see where his matchup will come, assuming he does get called back up, and see if that is a, a nice enough matchup where you'd be interested. I think for the most part, though, he will be worthy of a roster spot as long as he is on the major league team. It's just I'm always a little bit cautious with rookies, and I think, honestly, a big part of it is Grayson Rodriguez has killed me this season in a lot of leagues, so it's kind of killed my confidence in the rookie pitcher. And, you know, you should be skeptical in general of rookie pitching. It's 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 incredibly hard to pitch a baseball at any level, but at, at the major league level, I cannot even imagine. Bradley did do well. Uh, let's just wait and see exactly what the course of action here is with the Rays. Maybe it's not as bad as we think for Springs. Maybe he ends up missing one start, and it's uh, a small thing. I'm not expecting that. That's the optimist in me talking. But we we just don't know yet. But Bradley should be at least on your radar, on your watch list. In terms of some other pitchers who are pretty widely available, just looking at Yahoo leagues, you got Tyler McGill, only 41% rostered. He's looked very good so far this season. He's won all three of his starts, 225 ERA. He's looked very solid. Sharmanaya, 39% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. Coming off of a very good start against Kansas City, and he's got a great matchup against Detroit this weekend. He's another guy I'd take a look at. David Peterson, another guy who is still available. I know that there was a bad start in there at Milwaukee, but for the most part, you're getting good strikeouts on a good team. <clears throat> Tyler Molly is also available. There, there is a lot of pitchers who are available, who are decent enough fill-ins here uh, while Springs will be out. You know, I think the best probably course of action for the next couple of days anyway until we really know is to just stream that spot in and use a couple of different arms. Manaya and Anthony Scalfani as well both get Detroit this weekend. I've been looking at them as streamers. I think that, it, again, I'm sorry for the lack of coherency right now. I just don't know exactly what the Rays are going to do. Like, it, it might be fine for Springs. He might be back in a week. It might be gone for the season. It's just too soon to tell. I think for right now, you probably use the spot for streaming. You put Bradley on the watch list. And in certain cases, you might want to add him preemptively, just hope, just you know, not hoping, but assuming the worst uh, for Jeffrey Springs. So, Again, apologies for the long-winded uh, answer there. I'm just kind of going through my own thought process here now because this is something that literally happened within the last hour, and we're still getting new information on Jeffrey Springs. Hoping for the best. He's looked great this season, uh, but it is not looking very good as of right now. Let's talk about my notes from last night's games. If you guys are not following on Twitter, I do this every night. We talk about usually eight to 10 players. I'll go through a tweet thread of about 10 tweets and we'll t sometimes I'll do a couple tweets for, for a particular player if there's more to talk about and just 10, eight or 10 players that I find very interesting from the previous night's action. 
And today we are starting off with Bryson Stott, who is my guy. We've talked about Bryson Stott, even going back to when we did our Phillies preview with Brent Hershey. Uh, if you guys go back and listen to that one, that was about a month, a little more than a month ago, probably at this point. And we were in uh, on Stott and on Alec Bohm, bottom of the lineup kind of guys, no pressure really to succeed. They've both looked amazing. But Bryson Stott, in 11 games this season, Bryson Stott has nine games with multiple hits. That's just ridiculous. He has a hit in every single game, and two of those games where he was slacking off, he just had one hit. He is literally batting 420. He's 21 for 50. He's stolen three bases, driven in four. Uh, he scored three runs himself. The counting stats are not crazy high, but they will come, especially because there's not two of the last three days he's been in the leadoff spot. I don't know how often that's going to stick, but I think worst-case scenario, he's going to be a five-hole guy. Five, maybe six, worst-case scenario. I'm adding him up absolutely everywhere. I have added him in my home league, and I got him when he was about 48% rostered. I want to say two days ago. He's up to 65 now, so there's not a lot of room left to get Bryson Stott. He's going to keep getting more rostered and rostered, and he should be. Like He is an absolute must-roster player at this point, the way he is hitting the ball in that lineup, especially at the top of it. I am very, very, very much interested uh, in getting Bryson Stott. So do it while you still can, because you will not be able to for very long. Sonny Gray. What the hell? Sonny Gray, 17 innings pitched, one earned run, 19 strikeouts, a .53 ERA, and a 1.00 whip. He was the last pick in my home league, in my, in my league with my friends, a 10-team league. He was the last pick, and I was thinking, okay, you know what? He starts the year against KC. Maybe he has a good start, and we drop him after that. And I, I didn't really have many expectations here. I thought he was a fine, short-term, even potentially long-term kind of guy as like a back-end piece. I didn't have high expectations. Last, it was the very last pick of my draft. I just thought to hell with it. Take Sonny Gray. If I had known, oh, my God, what he's going to do. Started off the year, five innings, only one strikeout against Kansas City, which was kind of He got the victory, didn't allow any runs, but one strikeout kind of eh, kind of sucked. Next time out, seven innings against Houston, 13 strikeouts, one earned run. Just absolutely shit on them. And then Chicago against the White Sox yesterday, five innings. He got the victory, five strikeouts, no earned runs. He has been absolutely lights out. At the same time, this is not going to continue at this pace. We have to remember that. Anybody who is performing this well, it doesn't matter who it is. Even if DeGrom had done this so far, he wouldn't be able to replicate it. Then Sonny Gray is certainly not going to be able to do it. My advice here would be to entertain trying to sell Sonny Gray if you can. And a lot of people, well, maybe not even a lot of people, a good number of people are going to read right through it and say, yeah, Sonny Gray is probably going to end the year the way he always does with a 3-5 ERA, and we'll probably forget about these starts at the beginning of the year. By the end of the year, people will forget about the starts, which is why I would try and do something about it now. I wouldn't try and, you know, offer him for freaking Corbin Burns or something, you know, not something ridiculous like that. But I think you can get a little bit of value out of Sonny Gray, who is generally like, I had him preseason ranked, I think, as my 58th pitcher, 58-59. If you can go and secure yourself like a top 35, top 40 pitcher rest of season for him, I would be doing it. I would be doing everything you can to try and get somebody who's maybe a little bit of an underachiever to this point, maybe package up Sonny Gray with somebody else who's overachieved and try and get, you know, I've seen some absolutely insane trades. I've seen somebody message me the other day saying Zach Wheeler was dropped in their league. You just see individual leagues have crazy stuff going on. You never really know what the market is, but try and sell Sonny Gray one on his own for somebody who you think can be, you know, at worst, a top 100 player. But I think if you're going for a starting pitcher, 
try and go for like a top 35, top 40 kind of arm. I think that he's warranted that kind of consideration at this point. Some people might say, you know what, maybe he has unlocked something else. I don't think at age 33 anything else is getting unlocked at this point. I think it's more than anything just a good couple of start run. It will likely see the end of season numbers look the way they always do. Try and capitalize now on Sonny Gray and you know a bunch of different players who have just been you know crazy overperforming expectations this year. It is a good time to start think about in general uh, selling off one or two players who've started hot and going for one or two players on the opposite end of that who have probably started off a little bit colder than we would have expected. But I think Sonny Gray. There's, there's room there for uh, for a pretty decent return, depending on your league, depending on the opposing manager. I would take a look and see uh, what the market looks like. Kerry Carpenter. A lot of people probably haven't heard of Kerry Carpenter. Outfielder for the Detroit Tigers. He is definitely more of a deeper league guy. I have him. I took him in a draft champions format where you, I've mentioned this before. If you're unfamiliar, 50-round, 15-team draft, 750 players are taken at the beginning of the year, and that is it. You set your lineups. When you, know, you set your pitcher lineups once a week, you set your hitters twice weekly, but there's no in-season moves. I took Kerry Carpenter as a bit of outfield depth. I actually started him this week, and he hit a home run for me. Very nice. Now, he is only 2% rostered in Yahoo Leagues, and that's probably warranted. He's not somebody where I would be saying, yeah, he should be uh, you know, a hot ad. He's not. He's somebody that I'm keeping an eye on in deeper leagues. He's a watch list slash AL only guy. But he is an interesting profile. If you look at what he did in the minors, good power stats, usually hitting for a very good batting average. If you look at what he did in 2022 in double A, 63 games, he had 22 home runs and batted 304. Camped the triple A for 35 games, eight home runs, he batted 331. Now, at the major league level, the power has translated pretty well. Last year in 31 games, he had six home runs. 252 batting average either. It's not like he's coming up to the bigs and you know having a bad batting average like we see with a lot of players who have a high batting average in the minors. He's actually maintained it all right. You know, you're not going to get an immediate translation for a lot of players to 300 in the majors, even if they were a 300, 350 hitter in the minors. He's handling himself well. He's holding his own. He's walking 13% of the time this year at the big league level. 26% strikeout rate is a little bit high, but at the same time, I, I like him. I, I like Kerry Carpenter. I think he is probably you know a 15 teamer but keep a close eye I think he could be I think he could be a decent asset you know I, I don't think that he is a must add by any stretch of the imagination but I think that he could end up having some value assuming he sticks playing pretty much every day like he has been recently in that four or five slot in the Detroit lineup again 15 teamers that's where I'm more so looking right now but I think there is a chance that he does end up as like a back end maybe a back end 12 teamer I think it's an outside chance but we're not adding him yet. We're just watchlisting him. If you're in an AL-only league, he's probably somebody already rostered. Just keep an eye, because uh, I think that Kerry Carpenter could end up surprising us a bit this year. Dre Jameson. Let's talk Dre Jameson. His various roles this year have led to 12 and a third innings pitched, a 146 ERA, a 105 whip. He only allowed two earned runs. He struck out 12 batters in those 12 innings, two wins and a save so far. Now, he's handled everything the D-backs have thrown at him, and I usually hate this when a team does this with a player's development. All this nonsense about you coming out of the pen, you're going to close one game, you'll throw three innings in relief here and there. Let the guy start. I don't know why you got to... Because sometimes you can do this with a pitcher. I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but they come up and you try and mess around and you have them work as a reliever when they are a starter. Like He never came in a game in relief ever in the minor leagues. Now, he's done well, in his relief appearances in the big leagues, wherever they've thrown him in the big leagues, he's done well. Because even last year, 24 innings, he had a one four eight ERA. I just worry long-term about how that will mess with you mentally. But I think for now, 
I think he's fine. I think he's going to be in the rotation. I think that he is going to be somebody that sticks in the rotation. Again, the Diamondbacks have a lot going on in terms of pitching, in terms of prospects. They got Ryan Nelson, who's already there. Brandon Fott knocking on the door. Should be up any day, you'd, you'd think. Uh, I don't know why he hasn't come up to this point already. And then you got Jamison. You got Zach Davies injured. You got Madison Bumgarner throwing meatballs out there like he usually does. I think Jamison will stay in the rotation. And I think that they'll slowly start to ramp him up. You know, he only threw four innings yesterday. Shutout ball, four strikeouts. He looked very good against Milwaukee. Let's see him get the five next time out. I think that that's probably what we are going to see from Dre Jamison. Five innings. You know, I think it was 75 pitches or so he threw yesterday. Um, Sorry. No, he threw 54 pitches. I thought it was more than that. And I, I thought I read that it was higher than that somewhere else. That's what the, the Yahoo app is saying. I thought that his pitch count got a little bit higher. Let me just double check that uh, on the score here. Um, pitches, Jameson, 54 pitches. I Wow, I read somewhere else that it was in the 70s. I was mistaken. 54 pitches through four innings. I think they'll start to work him up a little bit more. Maybe we see 65, 70 next time out. Next time after that, maybe 80, 85. I was on the In This League podcast yesterday um, with, with Bogman and Welsh. We were talking about different Arizona starters, and Fott was mentioned for sure. And he thinks, uh, Welsh thinks that Fott's going to come up very, very soon. And Jamison, we were talking about Jamison as well as being somebody that is a a very, very strong candidate. We didn't specifically talk about, like, adding Jamison. We were talking about, like, the viability of that rotation as a whole. But Jamison, I think, is somebody that needs to be added wherever you are. Maybe not in 10-team leagues. Maybe there he doesn't cut it. But even in a 10-teamer, I think that you're probably going to be all right uh, with Dre Jamison there. I think he's probably a back-end guy, 12-team leagues and beyond. I'd be adding him up. He's 30% rostered right now. It was 7% earlier in the week. Go get in while you can. I think that he will have a regular role in this rotation. And if you know the early results are any indication, uh, he should be a, a, pretty si- a pretty solid fantasy asset this season. He is so far a top 50 player. A large part of that is because he has two wins and a save so far. But I think he is still somebody that is worthy of adding. When just thinking about back when we were talking yesterday with, with those guys, we were more so talking about Brandon Fott, um, and he should be up very, very soon. From what Welsh was saying, they're limiting his his innings in the minors. They're limiting his pitches so that he was, he's ready to come up to the majors. They're not throwing him 100 and 110 pitches at AAA. They're limiting him to 60, 70 pitches so that he's ready uh, to come up and pitch in the big league. So another guy that should be, just as a side note, coming up soon that is probably worthy of a stash in that same rotation or should be in that rotation. We don't know exactly how things are going to go, seeing the way that they've used uh, Jamison here as a reliever. But I think we're probably going to see fought up uh, pretty soon as well. So both of these guys, uh, for me, are are pretty strong ads at this point. Jerkson Profar. I had such high hopes for him when he first became a major leaguer. I believe it was with the Rangers now. It's been so long at this point he's bounced around. But I believe he was a Texas Rangers prospect, number one prospect, didn't really pan out. His career's been all right, though. You know, here and there, he's had some fantasy value, and right now, he's looked pretty good. His last few games, leading off for the Rockies, he's 6 for 16, two homers and four RBIs. I'm intrigued at the idea of using him in the Daily Changes League and just plugging him in there in your lineup when he is at the top, when he is at home. Obviously, if there is, you know, a, a road series or Profar moves down the lineup, less appealing for sure. But if they're at home and Profar is leading off, and he has been leading off, uh, he has let off one, two, three, four, Five, six. He's let off every game that he started there, actually. I thought he was down to the bottom for one game, but he's actually let off every single game he's been there for. 
Now, the results haven't been amazing. 222 average, two homers, five RBIs as a whole. But he's looked pretty good these last few games. He's just somebody I would keep an eye on. I think he's a 15-team guy for sure. But in regular standard leagues, just keep an eye on him and see if he's able to keep up this pace because the leadoff hitter in Colorado can be very appealing. I'm not there yet, but I think he could be an ad at some point this year in shallow leagues. Like I think he's already a deeper league guy. Brad Keller. What the hell, man? Brad Keller this year as well. You know, I talk about Sonny Gray and his start. Brad Keller has been almost as good here. 17 innings pitched. He's allowed four earned runs. That's a 2-1-2 ERA, a 1.12 whip, 16 strikeouts in those 17 innings as well. Now, he's not a big strikeout guy. The career strikeout rate is 17.4%. That's awful. That is atrocious for fantasy. There is no place for that particular metric on any fantasy team. I think that he is probably, probably somebody that is going to be, he's going to be added a little bit. He went from 5% to 7% rostered, understandable after three good outings. I think he is, best case scenario, is probably, probably going to be like a a streaming option this season. I don't know that we're going to see him be a must roster kind of player at all. Uh, For this point, he's kind of looking like it. But I, I don't see that long-term for, for Brad Keller. I think that the odds are he's going to revert back to usual Brad Keller. Maybe the strikeouts stick a little bit more. Uh, but I think at this point, he is just a streaming option when he has a good matchup. That would be where I would use him, not somebody where I would be adding him up all over the place because, you know, oh, he's, you know, he's a different guy this year. I don't think that we are there yet with Brad Keller. I'd understand it if you want to take a chance on him. 15 team leagues for sure, no problem. But standard 10 and 12 team leagues like most of you guys play in, I don't think there is room for Brad Keller as a mainstay on many, if any, rosters at this point. Edward Cabrera found the strike zone. Who would have thought he only walked one batter yesterday in five innings against the Phillies? Two-run ball. Considering he walked 13 batters in his first six and two-thirds innings this season, I'm taking this as a huge victory. If you were on the fence about Cabrera one way or the other, I would hold him based on this. I, I think that you know if he's able to find control, that's a, the massive barrier there between him and having fantasy value. Does he have control of the strike zone? That's pretty much it for me. If he's able to locate, he can you know give you good strikeouts. The Marlins pretty good developing pitching, so I do have hope. I think that Edward Cabrera is somebody that will still end up surprising us a bit this year. And, you know, it was one of my preseason takes that he would have a very strong season, 30-plus K rate, 10% uh, walk rate. I don't know that he's going to have a a 30-plus percent K rate. But I think he can still give you strong strikeout numbers with, you know, not the greatest team context. But I think the skills there are going to lead to good results for Edward Cabrera. We've seen it over the last couple of years. They can can still be good pitcher for fantasy on the Marlins. They had Alcantara win the Cy Young last year. It does limit the upside a little bit, but I do think that Cabrera is somebody that should still be rostered in all leagues. Uh, I I don't think that we should have moved on from him just yet. If you're in a really shallow league, eight or a 10-team league, I'm not going to give you so much grief over it, but I would would try and hold on if you can. I think potentially uh, this could be the sign of of a turnaround here if he is able to to have more control going forward. It's one start, but against a good team, uh, it's definitely promising to see that. He has had a very tough string of opponents to start the year as well. Like, it's not like Cabrera's gone out there against the Nationals and shit his pants, you know? He's got the Mets twice, and he's got Philly here. Still going to a 463 ERA, which is not good. But considering how ugly it has looked to start the season, you'll, you'll, take, you'll take what he's given you. All right, let's talk about my streamer for tomorrow. 
I tried, guys. I really tried looking through the slate here to find a streamer, but let's just do it real quickly here. Drew Rasmussen and Jose Barrios. No one to stream there. Taewon Walker and Connor Overton. I would not trust Taewon Walker going into Cincinnati. I'm not trusting Connor Overton anywhere. Arizona and the Marlins have Madison Bumgarner and Trevor Rogers. I, nothing needs to be said there, I don't think. Both brutal. Trevor Rogers, just an awful, awful path so far in his career. He's looked bad. He looked good kind of at the end of last season a little bit, and we thought that maybe things would turn around a little bit, but it's not been a good start to the season. He's only 20% rostered in Yahoo leagues. You can stream him if you want. He has had the same tough opponents that Edward Cabrera has had in the Mets, but I just don't have a lot of confidence in Trevor Rogers. I suppose if you wanted to take a chance on him, he's one of the more viable options today, which just goes to show you how, how scarce the slate is. Now, San Francisco and Detroit, Ross Stripling is listed as a starter here for tomorrow, but that's not going to be the case. He, he threw three innings in relief last night, uh, I, or three and a third last night. I don't think we're going to see him start a game tomorrow. It would very much surprise me. It's pissed me off to no end the way that they have used Ross Stripling. He, he started a game, and they've come in relief. It's been an absolute nightmare as somebody who was very much in on Stripling with a couple of shares. I've dropped him uh, where I had him in 15-teamers because of the way that they're using him. But I don't think he'll start tomorrow. And even if he were, I mean, if he were, I guess he'd be an interesting streamer at Detroit. But even let's, like, let's say they give him the ball to start tomorrow. It would be as an opener, considering he threw three innings yesterday. So no interest there for me. On the other end, Joey Wentz, not even close to being interested there uh, against Stripling and the Giants. So far, we're looking at pretty much nothing. Uh, keep going forward. we got Cal Quantrill and Trevor Williams here. If you want to take a chance on Quantrill against uh, Washington team, you can, but he has looked not very good this year. Strikeouts are always going to be limited. He's allowed seven runs in seven innings. I just, I'm not a big Quantrill guy. I think the upside is pretty limited. Maybe you lock yourself into a win there against the Nationals, but I'm still not really recommending that one. Tyler Molly and Nestor Cortez, pretty decent pitching matchup considering what we're looking at for the rest of the slate. Now, uh, these guys are already rostered. I wouldn't really recommend streaming. I mean, Mali might be available in, in some. He is available in some leagues, but I don't think I'm going to be streaming him going into Yankee Stadium. 15-teamers, he's already rostered. 12-teamers, it's he's likely rostered already. And I, I said it earlier in the show, his roster percentage. I think it's like 40 or so. Uh, 35. Actually, a bit lower than I thought it would be. But regardless, I don't think I'm picking him up to start there at Yankee Stadium. Patrick Sandoval and Tanner Houck. Sandoval's already rostered, and Hauk, I don't I don't really like the matchup against the Angels there for him at home. Don't like the ballpark. I think the Angels are probably going to get to Hauk tomorrow. That would be my expectation. He's interesting to some degree, I guess. But again, not somebody that I would advocate You know, going out there and using an add-on. I think he's very, very mediocre, and I don't know that I would use him against the Angels. Moving on, Tyler Wells and Mike Clevenger. Mike Clevenger's been added up in a lot of leagues, and I... I don't know that I'm really buying in. He got shit on by Pittsburgh last week. Good start against Houston the week before. So we have really not much of an idea of how this is going to go going forward. Uh, but he's been added up. He's up over 50% rostered at this point, I guess, if you really wanted to. But I, I, not a recommendation. Not, nobody we've talked about so far ha, is going to be a recommendation for me. I think Clevenger is fine, but I don't trust him against the Orioles. I think the Orioles are a lot better than a lot of people think. And I think Clevenger is a lot worse than a lot of people think. So he's not somebody that I would trust using a move on there. Uh, Charlie Morton and Brady Singer. That's Atlanta and Kansas City tomorrow. No stream to be had there. 
Martin Perez and Luis Garcia. That is Texas and Houston. Now, Perez is available in some leagues, but you're not going to stream him going into Houston. That would be a bad idea. Luis Garcia is already rostered almost everywhere. Johan Oviedo and John Woodford, excuse me, Jake Woodford, uh, Pirates and Cardinals. Not going to be interested in streaming either one of them here. Oviedo has actually done not too badly so far this season uh, over his, what is it, 11 and a third innings. He got a 3-1-8 ERA. Not like too bad, but still, I don't think you can trust him against the Cardinals in St. Louis. In fact, I, I definitely would not be trusting him there. Kodai Senga and James Caprellian. Senga's rostered, and Caprellian is not even close to an option against the Mets. Freddie Peralta and Michael Waka. Michael Walker's looked okay. I think it's still very risky business to stream him. Freddy Peralta's already rostered, obviously. Um, the next start, well, I'll skip over that and go to the one that I'm not interested in. One more that I'm not interested in, Austin Gomber and Marco Gonzalez. No, no real need to go into this one. No strikeouts, no real upside. One of them might luck into a win, uh, but I'm not going to be interested in either one of these guys. I'm not interested in anybody tomorrow. Essentially, I could have just saved us that time and said I'm not interested in anybody with the exception of one guy. That's Noah Syndergaard. And I know it did not go well for Noah Syndergaard in his last outing. It was not ideal against Arizona. Six earned runs over four innings. However, the previous start against those same Diamondbacks, he gave you six strong, one earned run, six strikeouts. I think, I don't know for sure, and I hesitate before even saying it, but Syndergaard could be some version of the old... Syndergaard again. I have so much faith in the Dodgers and the way that they will, what's the right word here, massage a pitcher into who they used to be in some way. You see this with the Dodgers. You see this with the Giants. They're able to tinker with things, and they're able to, to just change some small thing here and there. And we've seen it over the years with both of these franchises. Last year, it was recently as Tyler Anderson, we saw it. Um, you know, leave San Francisco out of it here for a second because they don't really apply here. Just generally another franchise that is very, very good with their pitching. But the Dodgers, they took Tyler Anderson and they turned him from a, a shitty pitcher into a good pitcher. We saw it with Tony Gonsolin, not a very good pitcher, way overperforming his metrics, but still giving you good quality results last season. I think we can see something like that from Syndergaard, and I like the matchup a lot against the Cubs. I do not think the Cubs are very impressive. I know that they got a winning record so far. They're 6-5. and five. I don't expect that to carry over. I know they've done well so far. And people will point to, well, the Cubs, you know, is that really the best team to stream against? They're still not a very strong team we're talking about. Yes, they're over 500. they They're 5-6. and six. Not a lot of pop in that lineup. There's really nobody that scares me in that lineup, you know. If anybody, maybe Swanson, maybe Dansby Swanson. I'm not even 100% sure he's going to be back for that game. I think it's a very, very interesting time to think about streaming Noah Syndergaard here. He is the guy that I would be the most comfortable with using tomorrow. Now, if you want to go for Clevenger, I guess he can. I, I wouldn't recommend it. I don't think that he is as sound as some people think, and I think Baltimore is a lot better than people are expecting. Maybe you could argue that one. Cal Quantrill going into Washington. Again, maybe you could argue it, but very limited upside in terms of strikeouts. Syndergaard is my guy here. I think we'll get a win. I think we'll get five or six innings with five or six strikeouts, and I think that he will be somebody, for the most part, who ends up being rostered on a lot of teams this year. I was I was wrong so far from what I – and, you know, he had a bad outing last time. Maybe he has another bad one, but I think I was wrong in my preseason estimation of Syndergaard. I think I should have ranked him a little bit higher. I think that he is somebody who will have decent value this season. He's dropped quite a bit in his percentage for roster percentage, uh, down from 64 to 51. 
I think he's a sneaky one to go for tomorrow. He's the guy that I would be streaming. But guys, that will wrap it up for us today. As always, appreciate you hanging out with me here through my venting <clears throat> through my venting session. Somebody once referred to, uh, or I forget who it was exactly, somebody in the baseball world, I think, that guys just do podcasts so that it's like essentially a therapy session. Just talk for an hour and get their thoughts out, which is essentially what we're doing here. Uh, we're just talking to you guys for an hour, and I, and I really, really appreciate all the support that you guys have shown on the show. I know I say that a lot. I am a typical Canadian tripping over myself to say thank you, uh, but appreciate all the downloads. The follows on Twitter have been amazing to see. You guys can check out all my work there at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. You can get all of the content we put out at Sports Ethos here on the baseball side at Ethos, E-T-H-O-S, Fantasy BB. And, of course, go right to the website, get yourself one of our premium packages, or just hang out for free and see the free previews of all the stuff we got. Because everything that we put out that is paywall does have a free preview as well. So if you're not going to go and get yourself a Fantasy Pass, it's totally understandable. There is a ton of content out there in the industry. I, I get it. But at the same time, go and take a look because there's free previews of all of our articles. If you like what you're seeing, very, very affordable. So check it out at sportsethos.com over either the MLB tab or the premium tab. If you hover over those, uh, you'll get to that same content. But guys, once again, thank you for hanging out. We will be back tomorrow. We'll do generally the same thing, news and notes. We'll take a look at my particular player notes from the previous evening. We will talk weekend streamers, and we will just talk about anything else that happens in the world of baseball in the next 24 hours. Until then, guys, have a great night. Take care, and we will see you tomorrow. Cheers. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.